Well, I think it, it has to be rooted in, in the historical experience of pe- the people of God waiting for the Messiah to come. Welcome to the Faith Without Fear podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. This podcast is hosted by Senior Pastor Sean Zambros and Associate Pastor Nick Quint. In this episode, they are joined by Reverend Dr. J.T. Greenleaf, lead pastor of Redlands First United Methodist Church, to talk about the theology, purpose, and meaning of Advent. Uh, Advent is one of the more widely celebrated times of the church calendar year, of course, if you're non-denominational like I was raised. Advent was something Catholics and heretics (laughs) celebrated every Christmas. We just celebrated the Bible. And so... uh, on the spirit of, you know, Advent coming upon us and Christmas and all that sort of stuff, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, just the significance of Advent, what it means and its purpose and function and and all that sort of stuff. And I, I want to start with a great quote I found from one of my favorite uh, theologians, Reverend uh, Fleming Rutledge. She's written just a ton of stuff. This is from her book on Advent. So this is page four. And she writes, the eschatological note of Advent, that means kind of the future element or note of Advent or the focus of Advent, is focusing on the second coming of Christ. And that is largely ignored, it has largely been ignored even among the most enthusiastic Advent lovers of late. And so Advent, we might say, is beginning kind of a resurgence. Uh, a lot of people, even in my non-denominational churches I'm seeing, are beginning to kind of bring it in a little bit into their services. And so first off, um, what is Advent? And... Um, just simply, what is it? Like, what 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 is this thing we're all we're all now beginning to discover? Well, I've I've celebrated Advent in in my years of ministry uh, as a time of preparation, preparation. Okay. and I've kind of gone back and forth over the years. I mean, sometimes I'll fo- focus more on the here and now preparation, um, and occasionally look at the whole second coming piece of it. Um, the the thing that I've struggled with over the years is is still remembering when Jesus said, "Well, nobody knows when I'm coming back." So, <laughs> you know, so so part of me, in kind of a you know tongue in cheek flippant way, is that you know my my folk have enough to worry about right now without worrying about that. So let's look at preparation, hmm. and just over that part of it, um, I haven't um, uh, I haven't really thought you know, or spent a lot of time dealing with that, but it's, you know, it's still something that's in the back of my mind every Advent, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I didn't grow up with Advent either. Or Well, we, we had a very watered-down version of Advent in my church, and we did light the candles, but we really didn't know what it was all about, or I didn't grow up knowing about what it was all about. But as I've become uh, an adult and been in ministry, and it's become more and more important to me as I've more started to follow the lectionary and all of that. I think of Advent kind of on, I always say, on three levels. There's the past, which would be uh, the people of God waiting for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of rooted in that. And uh, so as we're looking kind of even from the life of Christ and and all of that. That's sort of what Advent is. We're, and so that prepares us for Christmas in that regard, or a historical sense. And then there's the future part, which talked about the coming of Christ again. And so we're in a place where we are supposed to be ready and waiting for the coming of Christ, which could be at any time. Mm-hmm. And then there, I always think of it, then there's the present, and maybe that's sort of the waiting and preparing, but it's also the time, I think there are times in the liturgical year that that 
connect with what we go through as people and so as we live life so there are those times in our life where we are waiting where we're anticipating where we're wondering when and all of that and so advent represents those times in our lives where um where we're waiting on something or we're Mm -hmm. anticipating so it reminds us again that god is with us in in that time of anticipation and and in that, in the midst of waiting, is hope and peace and joy and love, mm-hmm. and um, so I so I always look at it from those kind of three levels. Yeah, yeah. And so there's this. Uh, I noticed a trend is kind of this idea of hope, but also anticipation of a sense of longing. Kind of the idea of what Paul talks about, say in Romans, a where we groan with creation for right. the unveiling of the children of God and all these yes. sorts of ideas. So it's yeah. it's something God has done, but like a snowball that's been rolled down a hill, it's picking up steam and it's getting bigger, but it hasn't reached the bottom of the hill yet. And we, as the as the church, have been kind of privy to see the snowball from the beginning, and we watch it roll down the hill, and we see where it is going, but we don't know the time or the hour of when it ultimately hits the bottom and it looks like a massive snowman and all this sort of stuff, you know? Right. And so there's, I think, uh, just the idea of it, uh, the purpose seems to be at least a sense of embodied, culti- like cultivating something in terms of spiritual formation and practices that kind of reinforce what it means to be in Christ. And so it's, uh, in a sense, it's kind of a merger of the Christian hope, but also Christology and kind of bringing both ideas kind of together in a way that can be lived out. And so it's not just an esoteric thing that, you know, people in the 4th century or the 21st century argue about in dissertations, but it's something that people live or seem to live uh, in just in their daily lives. I don't know what you have to say to that, but I see it as an immensely practical, ultimate, ultimately practical way of life for, yeah. uh, for the Christian or the person of faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absol- absolutely. And in the idea of contextualizing it is so important. Um, and... You know, as I think about the scope of my ministry, probably uh, today more so than any other time in, in my ministry, the context for both Luke and Matthew's nativity stories is very important because it was a time where um, where people were crying out for, for justice, you know, people who were living in an oppressive state, you know, not, and not just, um, not just Rome, but... Um, the politics of Israel and the politics of the temple, you know, so the, the, you know, regular folk in Israel were getting, were getting squeezed from, you know, three different, um, and everybody wanted their pound of flesh as it were. Um, and, and even though the needs for justice have all, always been there, as you see now, things like uh, climate change and climate justice issues, uh, income disparity, all of those kinds of things, we're seeing a level of injustice now that, at least in my lifetime, certainly in my ministry, but in my lifetime, we really haven't seen, um, you know, to the extent. I mean, again, it's always been there, but we're mm-hmm. seeing we're, we're seeing it um more brazen, I think, than maybe than, yeah, that's than, a good word. Yeah, than just, we've seen it yeah. before. And so, if we so we think about the importance of the context of both the Lucan um, and the Mathean um, nativity, and we recognize that that has something to say to us today, and how does that relate to prophetic scriptures of hope? 
to the nativity and what it means, and then that is a gateway to the gospel and the ongoing presence of the risen Christ. I mean, that this creates this this movement in this narrative that I think is very significant for for people who um, are living faithfully today. Mm-hmm. And thinking of that, uh, so the theological significance is not merely just uh, a, a a sense of kind of looking towards the future, as we pointed out. It's not as if, you know, we kind of punt everything to the eschaton and go, right. well, someday somehow God will make this right when we kind of miss out, as, we, as we've all kind of alluded to. God is now making all things new, and that's kind of an unfolding, mm-hmm. painful uh, process, it seems. Uh, but with uh, the theology of Advent, as you mentioned, with climate change and all these other, other issues that kind of just seem to come about, uh, it seems as if, God's work of reconciliation is almost inextricably, inextricably, can't talk today, tied to um, basically the incarnation, the, right. the the way God chooses to reveal God's self fully right. and, and totally, you know, as right. Paul talks about, you know, the, the fullness of God or deity and dwelt bodily is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to kind of place uh, Jesus at the center of these questions in a way of which we can see such things in light of this messianic figure of Israel who uh, basically spoke when God was silent or Mm -hmm. appeared to be silent right? and gives kind of voice to the regrets and the pain and the suffering that happened as a means of validating but also saying now we're going somewhere with this. We've righted the ship for lack of a better word. So Advent it seems is kind of God's initial invasion almost back into the cosmos to bring everything back together. Well in an anticipation of of Advent, I mean, this particular coming Sunday in the in the Christian calendar, you know, it used to be called Christ the King, which is, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, the reign of Christ is, you know, how they now refer, or at least how I refer to it, and you know, the whole idea of the reign of Christ Sunday begs the question as we prepare for Advent. Well, what? does the reign of Christ look like? What If we're going to proclaim Christ as king, what kind of a king is he? And this is the contextual piece again, you know, versus, you know, Jesus versus Caesar versus Herod versus, you know, versus Caiaphas or any of the other authorities of that time. It's critically important to, to define those. Otherwise, Advent just becomes another one of those rose-colored glasses moments, you know, that where people want to start singing Christmas carols and, <laughs> you know, and all of the worship war things that go with that. So, More to Pastor Sean's point, uh, Rutledge notes elsewhere that uh, Advent, and I, I'm not sure I entirely agree with her. I want to get all y'all's thoughts on this. Advent differs from the other seasons in that it looks beyond history altogether and awaits Jesus Christ coming again, quote, in glory to just the living and the dead. And that's from her book on Advent. My first thought is uh, the idea that it looks beyond history altogether, while I don't necessarily disagree with that, because I think I know the point she's making, it seems to me Advent without a history of, say, suffering and justice mm-hmm. and pain seems to basically become, not that it becomes decontextualized, but that it becomes anything we want it to be when these things kind of arose out of very specific situations. Like the Incarnation is a particular event at a particular point in time. And so that seems, so on the one hand, I kind of get the idea that it is beyond history, you know, because we're talking about what God will do, which is not history yet. But also the idea that God is, but God did act in history as well. Right. right. And so I don't know, because we've talked about the kingdom of God and all this other stuff. I don't know if you yeah. have any thought on that. 
Well, I think it, it has to be rooted in in the historical experience of pe- the people of God waiting for the Messiah to come. I mean, that's sort of, it, it's rooted in that. And, and even as, you know, you think about the liturgical year, and this is the beginning of the liturgical year, and Advent leads to Christmas, which is the birth of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it seems like it has to be rooted in that. But then, of course, it becomes so much more. And that's what ties it into the the reign of Christ. It's not like just the reign of Christ is the end of the year and then the next week we start over again. Right. Um, the reign of Christ, it becomes a spiral in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, the reign of Christ leads into this idea of anticipating the second coming. But it also is rooted in in that starting. It is the beginning of the year. So, um, but it's kind of this spiral rather that builds mm-hmm. rather than, you know, one year ends, the, ne- the next week we have a starting of a new year and we start the story over again. As if Jesus' reign stops when commercialization and Christmas kicks in. <laughs> and, then and then the reign becomes, right. you know, it's, right. Like, right. it's almost Jesus right. is king or the reign of Christ has begun, then it stops and then right. it starts again, then right. it stops and starts again. It's like, so it seems to just kind of view it in a very piecemeal yeah. kind of way. Sure. Sure. Well, it becomes linear, and when it becomes linear, it's easier to chop it up instead of looking at all of this as a unified whole. That I've not heard um, Rutledge's quote before, but this this image came to mind um, as I'm reflecting on it, the idea of standing in history but then looking beyond it. There's almost a you know, standing on the other side of the Jordan looking into the promised land. You know, mm-hmm. when you're standing in that place, you're still standing as people who are m- most recently enslaved. And, and con- uh, the contextualization of that is it's, it's slavery, it's deprivation, it's degradation. And that's the, that's the reality that they live in. But they're able to see beyond that reality to what, what could be next as living into the promised. Right. And, and, because it's 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 out there, it's almost like there's no historical context for it because it hasn't been the history hasn't been written yet, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was just an image that came to yeah. image came it came to mind. Well, it's like you know, it's the famous song "We're Living on a Prayer." Yeah, <laughs> like right. We, we, God has acted. God has acted, and right. God will act again. But right. until that time, we live right. with, as you know the prophets speak. We live with that prophetic hope right. that God will sure. has not, but God will eventually right. right the ship, but not that God is not active. And I think that that's why the the making sure that when um, when I do Advent um, and lead worship and preach in Advent, that I always have an eye to the prophetic texts mm-hmm. because the prophetic texts were, they were in, in some cases many years, you know, before they came to, any kind of fruition, the restoration of the exiles from Babylon, the the you know the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the temples. That was the ultimate living on a prayer, because it was living on a on a promise. And do you trust the promise or don't you? Or has God failed? Or, or has God? God or yeah, yeah. Or has God failed? Yeah. Did we did we <laughs> did we blow it again? And God said, Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, it becomes, yeah. you know, great is thy faithfulness becomes a question, not a uh, assertion or a, yeah. a, a claim of worship. Right. Right. And thinking of that, too, uh, just in light of that, uh, how does Advent kind of challenge, empower, maybe course correct, all those sorts of kind of ideas? What is, 
in light of what we've talked about with Advent and how does that empower church, society, culture? How does it critique it, challenge it? It's a huge question. But the way we've talked about Advent has something to say as we talked about contextualization. It's a word then that is a word for us today. And mm-hmm. as the church, as, as a society, as a culture, um, it seems like obviously it's not to say that every person must you know, uh, celebrate Advent. We're not making that claim or anything mm-hmm. like that. But in what way can the church at our best, and I say that very loosely, at our best, can, how can the church be a voice of challenge and empowerment and critique in light of Advent, in light of this anticipatory embodied hope that we live in? or fail to live in sometimes, perhaps. Well, I think all we have to do is listen to the news, mm. and right. we know we need Advent. I mean, right. Advent is, is the empowering thing that uh, is maybe in contrast or um, to, to what we're hearing in the news, or at least the reaction that we would be normal when we listen mm-hmm. to news, the hopelessness you know, or feeling overwhelmed by what's going on, or what are we going to do about this? And not that Advent says, um, okay, here's the answer to all of your questions, but but Advent says, while we're waiting for those answers, or while we're waiting that that let's talk about hope and let's talk about peace and joy and love in the midst of this, be empowered, Uh, living in the present, but there's still in that every time we listen to the news or we we ask the questions of those those things, those difficult things in our lives, that longing that that says that longing is is right. Mm-hmm. you know that we should have that right. longing is part of it. Um, and it, it, yeah, yeah, because it's a longing for for wholeness. it's yeah. it's 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 a longing to to realize that sense of the image of God that exists within us. And we, we get a glimpse of it. We get a, you know, a spark of it. Uh-huh. But wanting um, wanting to know it, experience it, understand it more yeah. deeply. Yeah. And that's, you know, so that's one of the things I think about. Uh, in, in similar things, Advent and Lent work together mm-hmm. for yeah. me. Yeah. Because it's preparation, but it's also an opportunity for us to to walk a path of discipleship in a very intentional way. You know, be right. very intentional about our learning and um, thinking about it. Not you know, and certainly the, the the macro things that are going on in the world and the things that I was sharing before about climate change and justice, uh, income disparity, and all of that. There's also especially this time, how difficult the holidays are. You know, people in our congregations who are right. really hurting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there are, um, there's death, there's job loss, there's concerns about poverty, mental illness, addiction, all of these kind of street-level one-to-one things. And to, to, to also realize that what we celebrate in Advent is for them mm-hmm. as well. You know that it's wherever we find the need on micro or macro, right? You know, um, so so it's almost an invitation to restlessness. Yeah, yeah. So to, yeah. to be un, almost like a holy unsettledness, where you're aware of kind of the big picture of things. You, like right. you said, you look at the news. You, I mean, you you see it, but you also right personal anxiety or depression or just 
the, the impact or the weight of all that stuff, that feeling of, you know, that powerlessness. Right. Um, Advent is essentially a, a way, not the, it doesn't only answer this, but it is a way of basically saying this restlessness or this instability feeling is not necessarily sinful or evil to feel mm-hmm. this way. Right. Restlessness is a call to live and to act and respond, but it's also something that cultivates. It's something right. that has kind of a, a, a sense of, of progression, a sense of, as mm-hmm. we talked about, with longing. Mm-hmm. It's a way of centralizing and helping us kind of uh, reflect in uh, maybe spiritual formations, maybe are the better word for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But that sense of restlessness that helps us maybe to get outside of ourselves a little bit and to look, as you said, JT, to kind of the one-to-one correspondence of what this person is going through, you know, and it gives us a lens by which while we may be unsettled, we therefore can see how others are unsettled or impacted or traumatized or suffering. Right. And maybe that's a way, not the only way, of course, mm-hmm. maybe that's a way of uh, cultivating something like empathy and uh, that restlessness because we know what it's like to feel anxious or sad or depressed or go through deaths and right. pain. Um, and that, of course, brings up the issue of incarnation and what it's like for God to become human. God didn't yeah, right. come down a... Uh, on a mighty chariot, you right. know, it didn't come down right. and just kick Caesar down the steps and be like, I'm king now, or right. my reign begins now. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, he came as right. a slave, as Philippians talks about, mm-hmm. as, as the least of these, technically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for, for me, just incarnation, restlessness, spiritual formation, Advent is kind of the, the sum of all words that kind of brings all of that together. Right. And I think there's something, just for me personally, as someone who deals, you know, struggles with anxiety and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. It's a way of clarifying something. Doesn't remove it. Doesn't make it easier. But it gives a lens and kind of a hope that uh, life just becomes so much easier just to kind of look at and reflect upon. Right. I never really thought about this before, but as we've been talking about this, I wonder if, as a pastor or as a congregation or whatever, as we are dealing with those people for whom Christmas is really hard mm-hmm. because either they're in the process of having just lost someone that they love or it brings back it brings back to them uh what they what is lost in their life Mm -hmm. and all of that um but those people that particularly are having a hard time with christmas and the holidays would the would the way to do ministry with those people would be to help them to dive into advent Mm -hmm. where advent Forget about Christmas. I mean, when right. Christmas comes, that's fine. But let Advent be your holiday this year. I mean, right. let Advent be the thing that that you are sinking into. And, yeah, Hallmark movies aren't going to do it for you <laughs> and all that kind right. of stuff. I hate to say that because I love Hallmark yeah, movies. Yeah, right, but, right, right. But, um, but all of those things aren't – they're going to leave you empty. But yeah. let's – Let's let's dive into Advent. I wonder. Yeah. What do you think? You know, I think that that's a good point because there's so much anxiety that comes around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety, it seems like every year starts earlier and earlier. Yeah. Which, it's, it's kind of an odd thing because there's the anxiety about shopping and crowds and, you know, all of those kinds of things that get triggered almost like on a Pavlovian sort of it's thing. It's an introvert's worst nightmare. Oh, it, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as an, as an extrovert, I don't, I don't, I'm not burdened with that, but I know people who, <laughs> you know, who are. Yeah. And yet, it is, yeah, I mean, an introvert's worst nightmare or a grieving person's worst right. nightmare yeah. or somebody, you know, with family of origin issues, their worst nightmare. Yes. It just is a constant 
reminder. And and there's something about the way our culture presents Christmas that that's that almost anesthetizes us, mm-hmm. you know, or at least attempts to anesthetize us. Maybe because we'll spend more money if we're you know fat, dumb, and right. happy, as the Probably. expression goes. Um, and yet, that diminishes this idea of the restlessness that you were talking about, Nick. And yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said for yeah. giving people the 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 space to to have that be their their holiday because the the thing that strikes me, and again, the, all of the prophetic texts is, yes, we wrestle. Yes, it's uncertain. Yes, we don't know what's going to happen. But the one thing that we do know through all of this is that, that you know, God walks the path with us. As right. Wesley said, best right. of all, God is with us. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, and at the end of the day, if that's all the piece of ground I can stand on, mm-hmm. that's sufficient. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it makes me think that as you, as especially somebody who's struggling with Christmas, uh, as they uh, really get into Advent, then at the end, when Jesus comes, yeah. <laughs> when right. Jesus is born, right. then then it it's stripped away all of the trappings that are probably calling causing whatever the anxiety or the yeah. sorrow or whatever. Um, it, it gets to the pure, the purity, right. really. And then I get back to, well, then that's what we all need, isn't it? Right. You know. Right. But, yeah. And at the end of the day, the a, a, an, a, a nativity, a, a birth story that's rooted in that promise mm-hmm. changes then how we see and relate to the baby that is born. Yeah. And then particularly then as we get into the epiphany texts and, yes. the, you know, the massacre of the innocents and, the, you know, the saving of the, you know, the family to Egypt. And, I mean, all of the things that get woven into that, right. you know, provides us a really good transition to, um, to, better, um, to better frame this story, yeah. especially for people who are struggling, who are hurting, which is, at the end of the day, all of us in some all way, shape. All of us at some time, yeah. 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 In, in some way, shape, or form, it's all of us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Faith Without Fear podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. Music was composed and produced by Jason Shaw. If you're looking for a church home, you're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 1015. All are welcome.